Elite, and we're talking about Backseat Heroin, my new album. This is showbizmonkeys.com. Around this town, I'm alright. Around this town, I'm alright. I mean, no consequence when you're playing with the fire. Okay, so just to start off, I guess, for newcomers to your music, can you talk a little bit about your early years in music? What got you started singing and what kind of stuff uh, you listened to growing up? Well, um, I definitely just kind of grew up in a musical family. Um, My dad was a guitar player and um, singer-songwriter, not professionally, but uh, he did that, you know, when he was in his 20s and... um, my mom's super musical. I have a lot of music-y people in my family, mm-hmm. uncles and, and grandparents and that kind of thing. My brother is now a music teacher. So growing up, it was just like I lived in the type of household that would have music playing like all day, every day. If somebody was home, like it would be really weird if the house was silent, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think when I was about 14, I, I asked my dad to uh, to teach me play, how to play guitar. And then... Eventually, at some point, um, I started singing on electronic music when I was probably like 19 or 20 years old. That was kind of my introduction into actually recording, which is kind of a weird roundabout way of getting to where I am now. But uh-huh. that was kind of that was kind of when the first experience I ever had in a recording studio was singing on top of uh, like drum and bass, and eventually I picked my guitar back up and started writing songs, you know, um, you know, right in my early twenties and then got totally addicted and haven't stopped since. (laughs) (laughs) Um, at what point in that whole process, you know, when you started, uh, doing a little bit of recording, did you think that this might be a career option for you? I guess when people just kind of started coming to the shows that weren't, you know, people that I knew, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know because initially when you start playing shows you know your friends and your family come out and support and then when people who don't know you start coming or start kind of following your music on the internet and kind of sending you words of encouragement I think that was probably when I started to think that there might be something to what I was doing and that maybe I could turn it into some some kind of career and I guess it's not even uh, the only career you have going because you also have your photography yeah. How do you kind of balance the ideas, like, and just not even the ideas, but just the, the time you're going to spend with one or the other? It's sort of like whatever whatever is taking up more of my time at any given moment. I mean, music is, is really the priority. Um, so when things are really happening with music, then, you know, photography is, is not happening at all like I, I'm pretty much not doing any photography for the next couple months <laughs> right right but um but during times when I'm you know in the create in the creation stage of music and I'm writing songs and I still have you know free time to do photography that's kind of when that takes place so I do find time for for both but sometimes it is it is you know a tricky juggling act now your last album, uh, Never Just a Dream, had tinges of several genres. But when I was when I would describe it to other people who weren't aware of you, I would kind of just tell them that it's it's certainly jazz based. Mm-hmm. This new record doesn't sound like the same record. Can you talk about the kind of evolution as an artist and a songwriter through the last several years? Yeah, um, it was. I think it was really kind of like a, a natural progression to what I'm what I'm writing now. Um, I think, I think the biggest, the biggest, uh, 
I guess, difference between the first record and the new one is the first record, I really only wrote 10 songs and recorded 10 songs. <laughs> um, most people, you know, they write, you know, 30 songs and then they pick the best 10 and put them on an album. I didn't really do that. I just wrote 10 songs and said, okay, I think I can make an album now <laughs> and, and recorded that album. And this time around, I definitely wrote far more than that. I probably wrote 35 or 40 songs before kind of narrowing it down what kind of album I wanted to put out there. And there were songs that, you know, got cut that maybe sounded more like the first album. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was when I wrote the song Not Coming By. Uh, that was probably the first song that um, I guess kind of led the pack. And uh, it was it was just a new style that I'd never written in before, and it got me excited, and it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, and I think I think it's uh, it bodes well for you as an artist to not necessarily be easily classified. Oh, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's uh, it, it could be problematic. <laughs> I I think it's fine, but a lot of a lot of people think that it's problematic. I think that I think the music industry always wants to uh, pigeonhole you and and um you know put you in a in a box so that it's very easy to describe to people and i get it i get that the the kind of middleman between the artist and the audience needs a way to you know describe what somebody sounds like but you know to me it's just like well listen and if you like it then cool i think that i think we don't you know maybe give give listeners enough credit like just let someone listen to it and let them decide what it is. But you know, there 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 is the middleman, and, and you do need to label it at some point. We we live in a in an iPod generation where mm -hmm. I think people are more open to different genres of music and not necessarily having to seek out one kind. So that you know, at least nowadays, it's a little easier. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think about you know, if you if you were to go on like a road trip with me or something like that, like I'm I have totally you know I, iPod ADD and I just switch through things constantly. But it is still nice to be able to put on you know just one one band's record or one artist's record and kind of listen all the way through and and have some you know varied sound throughout the album. You know. Well, yeah. With regards to that, I was reading. Uh... I think an interview you did recently or it was in your press materials about how you're, you're happy to have recorded an album that you feel works as an album. Yeah, because I mean, that's that's still just a really kind of nice experience. Um, when we finished the album, I had the band over and uh, the producers and um, anyone who was available to come over and we sat around my apartment and played the album, you know, kind of in the dark in candlelight, and we all just listened in silence as a group. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great experience. And I mean, people people don't really do that enough. But when you just sit down, and you play one album from start to, to finish, you know, it's usually really enjoyable and really rewarding at the end. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just don't even think to do that, you know. And then there are just so many albums that you just can't do that because you know, maybe they're horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess with there being more people buying singles and stuff, they don't necessarily need to write full albums. Exactly, exactly. But it is it is too bad because, I mean, the classic albums that everyone thinks about don't have bad songs on them. Right. Well, the mentality that I've, you know, heard from, from many industry exec type people is all they need is three songs. If you have three hit songs on your record, the other, you know, seven or eight really don't matter. And I guess I definitely 
wasn't going into this thinking, you know, I'm just going to try to write three great songs and the rest can kind of, you know, be whatever. Right. It was really important for me, you know, like to make it you know, a good experience all the way through. I'm not I'm not in it just to just to write hits and make people buy something that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Um, does it does it help working with a more independent distributor and that kind of thing? Like as far as that kind of pressure of, oh, you need this many hit songs. Oh yeah. I mean this, this album, this album I did entirely independent in the creative stage. Um, it wasn't until the album was completed that I licensed it to a label. So as, uh, I was really lucky in that way, um, that from writing to recording, um, the whole process was, you know, decided by myself and, and the musicians and the producers involved. Now, speaking of the recording process, you uh, did some co-writing on this album, which you, I don't believe, have done a lot of before. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about the entire recording process? Yeah, well, I think at some point I was encouraged to do some co-writing just to kind of expand my my songwriting abilities. And I was really hesitant because it's a really personal thing to kind of get together with someone and, and bury your soul to them and suddenly be writing a, a you know, writing about really intimate things with us with potentially a stranger um but then i i started getting into it and i started setting up sessions with some of my my favorite songwriters who i really admire and was lucky to uh write with a few of them um nicole atkins and i wrote the title track Axie heroine and uh there's a duet with luke Dusset that we wrote uh, together and then the last song is um called I Could Live With Dying Tonight. I wrote that with uh, Jill Barber. And then there are two songs, um, Figured Out and Shot of a Ghost, that I wrote with um, Karen Kazowski, who also co-produced the record. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of about half half co-written and half uh, written on my own. And that just kind of made for a, a good a good balance of, of uh, you know, st- uh, style, I guess, like song songwriting style. I mean, yeah. when you write with someone, you really learn, you know, new tricks that you can apply to your own songs. And um, and I, I just came out really happy with, with what we'd come up with. But in terms of the actual recording, we decided to go for a pretty live off the floor approach. And um, I have a regular band that I that I play with. Um, I don't, I don't, a lot of solo artists, you know, hire out people to play with them on their records and their live shows. And they're often, you know, different, different people all the time, but I've used the same musicians for years. Yeah. And uh, we all kind of moved into my loft uh, for a month last January and did pre-production. And then we went to a recording studio called the chalet where we um, were retracked for about a week. And it was just kind of like a very, um, relaxed, you know, family vibe. I think there were both seven of us. And we would, you know, wait for breakfast and then record for a few hours in the afternoon, make dinner together and then have some wine and <laughs> then record for like five more hours and then maybe take a break and then record for a couple more hours, uh-huh. at, you know, two in the morning. It was just really fun. It was the most fun I've ever had recording anything in my life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that kind of vibe ends up translating on the album too. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like people, you know, it doesn't sound like computers. It sounds like a bunch of friends playing music. That's what I think it sounds like. Exactly. Can you explain the meaning behind the album and, of course, the song that uh, it comes from, the the title? Uh, Well, Backseat Heroine was, uh, it actually 
from a lyric out of a Bobby Gentry song. She's one of my favorite singer-songwriters. Okay. And um, I took that, I had that lyric or uh, that tale written down in one of my lyric books when I went to uh, New York to write with Nicole Atkins and she thought it was uh, a good title. We kind of worked from there. And I don't think that the title track really necessarily represents, the, there's no, it's not like a, the meaning of the album, but I guess for the song itself, um, it's sort of about, uh, how do I explain this uh, without sounding awful? Cause it's supposed to be a good thing. Um, <laughs> it's sort of, it sort of grew out of, um, let's say there was uh, somebody, there was a guy who was interested in me, but he had uh, a girlfriend and um, as sort of a, a strange roundabout favor to her, I didn't act on his um, interest in me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's sort of that I became the, the backseat heroine, um, <laughs> the person that you that you can't see that's in the backseat sort of saving your relationship, um, even if it is, even if it's destined and doomed to crash and burn. Right. <laughs> um, I, I didn't go there, but uh yeah, that's that's some heavy <laughs> some heavy subject matter for that song, but I just it just kind of struck me as a as a as a title. The only unfortunate thing is when you just say it, sometimes people think that it's backseat heroin like without the e at the end. Oh. <laughs> so sometimes it's a little bit like, oh, what? Heroin in the backseat? What? What's happening? So I like <laughs> to explain that it's actually heroin with the e. Yeah, I don't know if there's a yeah a, a subtle way to slightly change the pronunciation so that people know there's an e at the end. Yeah, exactly. Your your voice is extremely distinguishable. Like I, there's no one else out there that sounds like you, as far as I have heard. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> now, but uh, with your voice, though, a few years ago, uh, some people may not know that you had some uh, health scares uh, with your vocal cords. Uh, did that kind of perspective kind of allow you to appreciate being able to make music even more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, definitely when you're when you're faced with the possibility of not being able to do the thing you love more than anything else, it it surely makes you uh, appreciate it. And and in fact, this time around on this album, um, my drummer actually had a hand injury uh, just a month and a half before we were supposed to be going into the studio. So it was actually, he actually went through the exact same thing as I did this time around, but luckily he uh, he recovered and was able to to do the album with us. But yeah, it really makes you appreciate what you have and and what your you know priorities are and what that means to you. Yeah, I have a about eight years ago or so, a guitarist friend of mine had an accident and lost two of his fingers. Oh man! Which for a guitarist, like, and he you know, a recording artist, like, he was making a living doing music, and that you know, I can't even imagine. <laughs> having that happen but he ended up coming back and like le- relearning how to play the guitar uh minus two fingers and I mean I think I think what happens is if if you can come out of it and you can make it out of it I think you will make it out you know a bet like better than you were prior you know because you'll just appreciate it that much more and you'll work at it that much harder and work at keeping it in shape whether you know you're a guitar player or singer or whatever it is um you definitely uh, I think can come out better than better than ever now clearly there are some personal experiences in a lot of your songs have you ever had any interesting encounters or awkward situations with someone you've written a song about who then realized it and you ran into them or that uh yeah well i'm trying to think i mean i remember writing a song about uh somebody on the record i'm not going to say what which song it was Uh it might give it away but um after i had uh 
released the song, you know, they sent me a, a text message. Oh, I really like that song, you know, and I just, I still wonder to this day if they actually knew that it was about them or not. But um, <laughs> definitely, you know, I've had, I've had ex-boyfriends come to shows and uh, on, on a couple of occasions have called them out and uh, enjoyed embarrassing them for a minute. Uh-huh. So I am, a, I am a dangerous girl to get involved with because if you, if you wrong me, you might, you might just get a song. And it might just become public knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, with with uh, musicians and comedians, those are the two that you got to watch. <laughs> exactly. Now, you've been utilizing the internet as a promotional tool for years. Uh, as far back as, uh, I think, six or seven years ago, when I first heard of you, I downloaded, you had posted up a copy of Same Old Sun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's when I first heard of you, and you I, I, you were just promoting it on the internet. Wow, that's so old. That's such an old song. Um, so, so since you've been involved for so long promoting yourself that way, do you think uh, the internet can somewhat level the playing field for artists not with major labels? Can it level the playing field? I, I suppose it can, but I feel like I feel I've had this conversation recently with a few people, um, which is I feel really lucky about when I started out as an independent musician because I think now now it's almost harder um, because it, it seems like a more viable possibility like almost anyone can do it yeah. and because of that I think that we've been flooded with you know every person who plays guitar or writes a song you know puts it out there you know I, I think it's totally cool if anyone wants to obviously post their post their music on the internet um, but I think it's harder to get noticed now it takes a lot more effort to really get your music out there. Um, but when I started uh, recording stuff and putting it out online, it was just at the very, very, very beginning of when MySpace was getting attention. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I could really connect with uh, people all over the world and, and people were really kind of excited to find out about new music through the internet. I, I think that they weren't as overwhelmed as they are now. And, uh, yeah, so for that reason, I think that it's pretty challenging now to kind of like get your head out above water. You kind of got to like, I don't know, do a YouTube cover or something like that <laughs> to really take off at this point. Um, that seems to be the way that people get are getting their, their 15 minutes of fame these days is uh, covering a pop song and, and getting it out there. And that's totally cool, you know? Yeah, although, as you said, it's 15 minutes of fame, and maybe if that's the way you're doing it, you may not actually have any you know sustaining career at the end of it so yeah you never know um do you plan to uh do anything into the u.s with this album at all um yes i do <laughs> uh we're going to i'm going to la actually in May. Um, i'm going on a songwriting trip for a couple of weeks but i plan on doing a show there and i'll probably do a show in New York at some point this year. Um, I would love to go down there and, and tour, you know, on a more extended full-time basis. Um, but that's just kind of a, a work in, pro- in progress in terms of, um, you know, finding the, the means to go and do that and finding a band to maybe um, open for or do a tour with down there. Okay, yeah. But it's definitely, I would, definitely something I'm interested in doing and continue to work towards. Finally, for anyone out there that is thinking of, you know, has heard some samples maybe and is thinking of picking up this record, uh, what about it should make people go out and buy the new Emily record? Oh, come on. I can't survive. That's so hard. <laughs> I can't I can't sell myself. Sell I yourself. I can't just sell myself? Oh, man. Ah, oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think, 
I think it's a really kind of cool emotional roller coaster of a record. Um, I think it's kind of a journey, and I think you should get it and put it on in your car and drive somewhere. You don't have to drive anywhere in particular, but I think it's a good. I think it's a good road trip album, and it'll make you uh, dance, and it'll make you cry, and might make you punch something, and it'll make you feel all kinds of things, and and it'll make you feel really human. So maybe that's why you should get it. Showbizmonkeys.com